Uh, from that trailer, you may be thinking, okay, what, what kind of service starts with a movie? Uh, but we're actually wrapping up a series that we've been doing the last few weeks called Box Office Wisdom. And from it, we've been looking at some of the summer releases, uh, some of potentially the blockbusters of the summer, and looking at what, what are those movies saying about how life works? What are themes that you can find in these movies? And what do they say about how life should be lived or how life should operate? And then we're taking those and looking at, well, how does that compare to what the, the scriptures say? How, do, how does that compare to actually how life is designed, how God has designed it according to his word? Here at Church in the Valley, we're consistently wanting to go back to always look at what does the Bible say about how life should be lived? And so in this series, we've been actually looking at not just what the movies say, but how do we actually compare and contrast to how that lines up? with the reality that God has given us. And so you'll see here, this is dawn of the planet of the apes. Here's the good and bad news. The good news is there'll be no spoilers because it's not out until next week. The bad news is I haven't seen it because it's not out until next week. So I'm going to be talking about themes that I pulled from articles and from 30 seconds of trailers. Next week, you get to see it and say, Alex was so way off that had nothing to do with it. They're just playing tag with monkeys. That could be the case, but you'll find out next week. So there's a little tease for you. Uh, what we're trying to do, uh, again, is, is kind of take a look at Hollywood, take a look at the media, the things that tug at us, the things that kind of pull us in a certain direction and determine, okay, is this taking me, is this media, is this outlet taking me in the right direction? And is it causing me to feel, is it causing me to think, is it causing me to act in a way that's actually going to be helpful for your life? And the life that I've lived, I've determined, you know, I really need to do it God's way. And so in this film, I'm just going to discuss some themes uh, but before I do that, I just wanted to catch everyone up. If you've not been here at all to any of this series, I just want to catch you up on kind of where we've been the last few weeks. You can get kind of a taste of the different themes we've been talking about. Uh, the first week we talked about how to deal with bitterness uh, when you've been hurt. And we talked about the movie Maleficent. Uh, the second week we talked about how to be teachable and learn uh, despite no do-overs in life. And that's the movie Edge of Tomorrow. The third week of the series, uh, we talked about how to work together and cooperate and team up to accomplish a goal. And that's how to train your dragon part two. Uh, last week, we talked about the movie Transformers 4 and how God helps us when we choose to depend on him instead of ourselves. And the question of today's movie that we're going to be looking at in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes is, why did God make me? And it's really an idea related to purpose, to identity, to really what we should be giving ourselves to. Why did God make me? And there's some themes uh, in this movie genre, and this is, is not the first in this movie. You may have actually grown up seeing some of these movies back in the 1970s. Uh, they were popular, and they've had a resurgence in the last 10 to 15 years. And in this, this movie genre, in this series, there's this kind of common theme of power, and domination and who's going to be able to conquer who. And it's really this kind of deal between humans and these these apes and who's going to win. And you have to pay twelve dollars to find that out. But the idea is here is, OK, who, who's going to conquer who? And then in this power and domination theme, you see a lot related to, well, what's the value of life and what's really important and what's 
do we have that's, that's worth dying for? And that's what you find in so many different movies. This idea of power, domination, identity, and purpose. Because what you find is you want to have power and you want to survive based on the quality of the life that you want. Survival is linked to this idea of we really care about our life. We want to survive. We don't want to be taken out. We care about the quality of life. We have life and it's good. And you see this again and again in the struggle with, with humanity. This idea of we want to survive, we have to survive, and at all costs we're going to do that. And in this movie, it's really human survival against the domination of apes. And the humans are going to do all that they can to try to survive. And see, what you find in movies where power and domination are key and kind of central to the plot, it really is linked to actually human needs that we have. And there's two basic human needs that I kind of want to launch off of that's going to be kind of the, the foundation of, of our time today. And the two basic human needs that God made us with is security and significance. The idea of being secure is, is to be loved and accepted. That's a need that, that you have. That's a need that I have. I, I want security. I want to be loved and accepted. I want to feel secure in the relationships that I have. And then the second is significance. Not only want to be loved and accepted, but I actually want life to have meaning and value. See, in this dawn of the planet of the apes, the value and meaning of life is being stripped from them. They can't live life the way they want to live. They're being conquered. They're being pursued. They're being hunted. This idea of survival is because we, we, we want to be significant in life. We want to have security. And when that's threatened, this is when war breaks out. This is when the fight comes. But these two basic human needs are actually not bad. These, this is how God has made us. And again and again, you see this coming up in films, this idea of security and significance. And you can find a lot about what's important to the director, what's important to the actor, what's important to this movie in general, by seeing what people fight for. We fight for what's important. We fight for what matters. And again and again, movie after movie, you see this fight for the security and significance. Why? Because God made us this way. We want to be loved and accepted, and we want to have value and meaning in life. All of us would vote for that. Because God made us this way. And again and again, what you find in movies and what you find in life, it's really a pursuit for how people get these two basic needs met. How can I be secure and how can I be significant? And people have many different pursuits of that. People have different definitions of what security is. People have different definitions of what it means to be significant. But it's at the core of so much of life. These two basic human needs that we have. And so, really for the rest of our time, I'm going to be talking about how, for us as humans, if we're made with these two basic human needs and God is our creator, we have to link back up with our creator to get these needs met. We can't get these needs met by a pursuit of anything else except pursuing God. He knows how we tick. He knows how we operate. He made us. We only can get that security and significance as we connect back to Him. And as we connect back to Him, all sorts of good things flow from that. 
See, in the movie, oftentimes survival in itself is the goal. We just have to survive. But when you dig into the scriptures, life is so much more than just survival. Especially so much more than survival of the fittest. It's actually connecting back to the God who made us. Not so we survive, but so that we actually can have the best kind of life possible. Where life can actually thrive when we do it God's way. And so I want to talk a little bit about that. Being made by God in His image. How that actually gives us the best life possible as we connect to Him. And so I, I'm going to be go, going over a few scriptures and I ask you to follow along. There's a handout in your program. If you'd like to look at that, feel free to take notes. Since God created us, here's some things that flow from that. Not only do we get those two basic needs met that I just said... But we are made in His image to have a relationship with Him. We are actually made in the image of God. That separates us from any other created thing. My original title for this series was going to be More Than a Monkey. But it was a little cheesy, and so I kind of just got a little scared of it. But that's the idea. It's more than a monkey. We are actually more than apes. We're more than monkeys. We're more than animals because we are created in the image of God. No other created being can say that. That's what separates us from the animals. That's what gives us a different type of life. Animals aren't made for security and significance. Now they can find it with the humans that interact with them somewhat, but we're the only people that can only find it as we connect with God. And it's linked to this idea that you find in Genesis chapter 1. It says this, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now we talk about that scripture a lot because it kind of gives, like this is the core of our identity, this is the core of how things started. But oftentimes we kind of gloss over that just crucial and essential truth to life. The fact that you were created by a God who made you in his image And that in itself gives you value. That in itself gives you meaning. That in itself allows you to find security and significance as you turn back to Him. This is a crazy thought, but have you ever kind of wondered, what if God didn't make you and you were instead like a rock? You ever thought that? I just thought it like a few minutes ago and then you start getting in a weird, like, or what, what, then I wouldn't be here. That's exactly right. You wouldn't be here. So sometimes just the idea that we're here, we're breathing, and we're living life, it's so easy to just assume, well, yeah, I'm here. That makes sense. But there's this idea of God created you. And you have life, and life in itself is a gift. Why? Because the God of the universe made you and made me in His image. We don't think about that often. We don't kind of walk around like, It's good to be alive. And if you do, you're like, okay, get off the the coffee. You're a little too caffeinated, right? And like, it's too early in the morning. But there's this idea of life in itself is such a gift. Because as humans, God has made us in His image. And in Genesis, you see the, the account of the first man and woman. And life at that time was sweet. They were created by God and God was hanging out with them. And He was showing them this is how... Life works. This is how you're supposed to live. And then there was a problem. And the problem was called sin. 
And despite the fact that we're made in the image of God, and despite the fact that He's given us all that we need to experience life to its fullest, we think that we can have security and significance without Him. That's really what sin is. I want to go my own way and find my security and significance out of the relationship of God. We don't need Him. That's what sin is. We don't need Him. It's this battle that all humans have with God. It's the fact that we want to do what we want to do. We're stubborn and we're selfish and we want to pursue what we want that we think is going to make us secure, that we think is going to make us significant. And we go our own way and we rebel against the one who made us. And so this idea of power and domination, rebellion, even if you see in the movie, this really is a part of the human experience. We want to rebel. We want what we want so bad. But what you find is, outside of the relationship with God where we're doing it His way, we just keep beating ourselves up because we can't find the security and the significance we long for. But the good news is, despite our rebellion, despite wanting to be secure in ourselves, despite wanting to pursue things that we think will make us significant, whether that's relationship with other people, whether that's power, whether that's money, whether that's success, even though we kind of value that and we think, you know, I'm going to take a chance here. I think I'm going to find security in my own way. I think I'm going to find significance in my own way. Even when we do that and we go our own way and we all have and we've all sinned, God invites us back. He invites us back despite our rebellion. And that's what grace is. And that's why Christians celebrate Jesus Christ. Because Jesus has made it possible, despite our rebellion, despite going our own way, He still reminds us, you know, come this way. You long for security. You long for significance. Come my way and you will find it. Romans 5.8 says this, and this is just one of those short, brief verses, but beautiful for the life it offers. This is what it says in Romans 5.8. But God shows His love for us in this or in that while we were still sinners Christ died for us Christ died for us why? so we may find our way back to the one who made us despite our sin despite our own choices as we go God's way and we turn to Jesus and realize that security and significance that we long for cannot be found in anything else but your way. We experience life again because God who made us in His image invites us back as His sons and daughters. Now you may be asking, is that in the movie? No, you don't see that in the movie. But what you find is that underlying struggle again and again is what will we do to find security and what will we do to find significance? How will we find meaning? What you find again is just this, this common theme that what our image is influences our identity. Image influences our identity. Who you think you are and what you were meant to be is the lens you look at your life. You determine the value you have based on the image of who you are. This is back to the core of how we're made. Our image 
is the lens we look through that influences our identity. If we don't think we have meaning, then our life doesn't matter that much. If we don't think we're made for something bigger than ourselves, then we're just going to choose anything. If we think that our decisions really don't impact our future, then we're just going to decide to do whatever makes us happy. But, on the other hand, if we actually think that our identity is linked to who we're made to be, then we actually can make different choices. So our image, it influences our identity. And we're going to talk a little bit about what does our identity influence in a little bit. This idea of Romans 5.8 is linked to humility. The only way we can find the security and significance that we long for is not by what we do. It's not by what we say. It's not by earning it. It's found in the person of Jesus Christ. There's a tremendous amount of humility because again and again, I don't know about you, but I kind of keep going back to just trying to find my own ways to add value to my life. If I get this, it's going to make me happy, whatever this is. If I do this, it's going to make me feel better, whatever that is. And we do it again and again. And what we have to keep realizing and keep coming back to this idea of, God, I did it again. I tried to build my own security outside of you. I tried to find my significance outside of you. It was in this person. It was in this idea. It was in my future. And it's not happening. And God in His gracious says, welcome, welcome back. Welcome home. Come my way and find life again. And this is the, kind of this pattern. What happens is we walk with God. Again and again we blow it. We try to find security and significance outside of Him. And as we humble ourselves and confess it to Him, we learn, okay, my identity is not in what I've done. And all that I work for with my hands, my identity is actually in God Himself who made me in His image. That in itself has a tremendous value for all of life. So we're made in His image and we have value. The second thing this means is we're actually able to discover our true identity and purpose. So the idea of just, okay, well, if I'm made in the image of God, that definitely can influence my identity. But once you nail down your identity and who you are and what you're meant to be, it gives you a tremendous amount of purpose in your life. And that's crucial. Because again, that's the significance we long for. Without purpose, we don't have significance. And we all want that desperately. This idea of discovering our true identity and purpose, it, it shapes every angle of life. But very rarely we have an idea of kind of the right identity we're supposed to have. There's definitely a sense of national identity now. Anyone watching the, the World Cup? There's two people. Okay. I was hoping for like a little bit more than that. I am watching the World Cup with the three of you, okay? But you get this sense as you, you watch the World Cup that this national identity comes out in all sorts of people. You see maybe a coworker and they're wearing like a Netherlands jersey. You're like, what? America. They're like, no, my like great-grandfather 
you know, he's from the Netherlands and, you know, the Netherlands are still in the tournament. And so, or there's me, like I'm, you know, British American and, and, you know, one day I'm rooting for England. The other day I'm rooting for America. And, and now I, I'm just deciding do I root for Germany, you know, and it just, just doesn't feel right either way. But this national identity is, is important. So you turn on the TV and everyone's just fired up about the country. They got the flags on their faces and, and, you know, we're out of the tournament now and kind of the Americans were so bummed out, but we're kind of excited about the future of American soccer. And then, you know what, just to drown our sorrows, we have July 4th Independence Day, you know? Talk about identity. You just, well, I, I was kind of annoying myself because every time I thought of something on July 4th, I was, America. America. Oh, another piece of apple pie, America. I'm free. Free to eat that other hot dog national identity. It's, it's so important to us. Because identity kind of provides significance for us. We're part of a group. We're part of a country. We're part of an area. We're part of a people. It resonates. We find security in it. We find significance in it. That's why people cheer for their teams. But what you find is as you connect to the God who made you, you have an identity that crosses the country you're from crosses the family you grew up in, crosses your ethnicity. You're a part of the family of God. That identity crosses across and through any other identity that we hold dear. Because it's the identity of the living God. That supersedes any other identity we have. Check out this scripture in 1 Peter 2. This is kind of a description of, okay, we've all gone our own way and we've rebelled. But to the people that decide they don't want to keep going their own way, they actually do want to do life God's way, those people can become children of God. They can come back to their father who made them. They can have life again, new life. In this scripture I'm about to read, you get this picture of what you enter into. It's not just an idea. It's not just a state of mind. But this idea of being a Christian actually means something. And in this scripture, you, you kind of get a picture of, of what that is. 1 Peter 2.9 says this, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you, mo- that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So all the times that you've ever been a fan of something, your favorite team, if you've ever rooted for America in the Olympics or any other country that you follow, there's a sense of you are just going out on a limb. We will win. We will win. And you go nuts. There's this idea of that's nothing compared to being able to be a part of what God wants to do in your life and through your life. And that's nothing compared to the family that you enter into with other people that have decided they want to live for Jesus above every other identity that they have. It's this picture of something that we can't hardly com- comprehend. It's being part of something so much bigger than ourselves, so much more powerful than us by ourselves. We enter in to the family of God. And our identity shifts. We're not just broken people. We're not just American people. We're not confused people, although we feel it at times. 
we can become God's people, a part of His family. And I just want to highlight this, just because to me, this is the hope that we have as we follow God. Not that it helps us with all our problems, although God helps and He draws near. It's this idea of we actually find security and significance in a way that we can't any other way. And this is why. When we enter into this royal nation, this group, this family, here's some things that flow. We're actually given a new name. You're a son or daughter of God. That idea of Christian is your new name. That's what primarily should define you in your life. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. That carries so much more meaning than your last name. Why? Because you are part of the family of the Almighty God. He is your spiritual father. So you're given a new name. You've been adopted into a new family. This is hope. In the world today where we're from so many broken families and so much dysfunction, and even if we're from the best family, it's limited in the space and time for which the people of our family are alive. This idea of being adopted into God's family, it extends not just here and now, but into eternity. We're part of this family that will exist forever. We get to be a part of a new family. That shapes our identity. And in that is a new community. We're linked together to people in a way that is so much more deeper and more meaningful than just we live close to people or we work with people. We have the same job. We have the same field. We have the same interests. We have similar personalities. We like to do similar things together. All this stuff, this is what helps us become friends with people. But to experience real community, you actually need to have a common purpose. You actually need to have a common goal to work towards. And this is tied to the common purpose we have. And if you look at 1 Peter 2 again, you get this idea of the new purpose. And what it is, is that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. To be a Christ follower means you just don't wear a jersey or a t-shirt and you know, like on the back, it's got your name on the front. It's like God's team. You know, you walk around like God's team. We got this. Right? It's not just about kind of the superficial, like material, what you wear. But it really is this idea of you are proclaiming the life you had in the darkness to now the life you have in the light. And you're explaining to people, I'm part of a new family, a new community. I have a new name. Because of Jesus Christ. And he's made such a difference in my life. And I want to just tell you about how good God is. That's the idea to proclaim his excellencies. All the goodness that God provides. So just picture, that's what it means to be light. Not light to magnify ourselves, but light saying, I'm a part of a new family. And I've been given a new identity. And it flows from the image that God has created me to be. 
do what he wants and to live life his way. This is why we have tremendous value. We have an opportunity to connect back to God who can shape the direction of our life. I want to just, as I wrap up, I want to talk about this new purpose. Because many times the idea of connecting back to God or being a Christian, it can be vague. It can be abstract. Uh, if you're a new Christian, you may thought, well, I come to church now and I didn't go to church. Or I, I sing songs now about God. I never sing songs about God. I maybe listen to music about God. I never listen to music about God. Or I used to go to these places before I knew God. And now I don't go to those places anymore. And there's kind of sometimes this idea of what we're supposed to do and what we're not supposed to do. What I want to do is just paint a picture of like, here's three broad objectives that God has given us. And these broad objectives kind of define the purpose, the identity, and the image that we are given because God made us. And this is why our life has value. Because we've been given something to do that separates us from any other created thing. And so I want to describe those briefly. So these are the three great objectives that flow from our purpose, which flows from our identity, which flows from our image. The first is the great mandate. God has actually given us a mandate, each and every one of us, to do on this earth. And you find it again in Genesis 1, 27, which I already read. Then there's verse 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. See, really, Dawn of the Planet of Apes should be a really short movie. The ape should say, I will conquer you. And then we should say, no. God said, I have dominion over you. Be quiet, monkey. But you see, you don't want to pay for that. That's a very short movie. That was like 10 seconds. Right? The drama's just not there. But there's this idea of we have a place on the earth that's a little bit lower than the angels because we're human. And in that, we've been given a role to do. And I want to talk a little bit about this, this great, great mandate. It's really this idea of we've been given power. Remember, we talked about that at the beginning. We've been given power, but this scripture is saying this is how you use your power in a way that is good. So part of the great mandate is get married, have kids, multiply the earth, and raise kids that want to love God like you love God. But then there's another part of this great mandate, and that's actually handling all the things that God's given us to manage. So if you're not married, you may be thinking, yes, I don't have to do the great mandate yet. Or if you're not married, you're thinking, when is this going to happen for me? But the second part of this great mandate is found in 2028. 20, it's this idea of you've got to take care of the things that God's given you to do. What things? Well, all your responsibilities. As you handle your responsibilities, you're actually pleasing God. Which ones? All of them. From the great to the mundane. See, back to the significance that I long for. When I think of the things I need to handle, I'm thinking of like, 
I want to change the world. And that's like a checklist with a box that's empty. I really want that one. Balance the checkbook. I don't want that one. But this mandate is saying handle what you've been given in a way that pleases God. So even in the small things, if you're a young mom, did you know that changing your baby's diaper is a part of the great mandate? Now, it's hard to think that in the moment. But it is. Because you're caring for that baby based on the needs that it has. And God's given you a responsibility that you're taking care of. Yard work, that's actually a part of taking care of the things that God has given you. When weeds grow up and you cut the weed and you pull that weed and you say, weed, I got you. I threw you away in the trash, weed. You're getting dominion over it. That pleases God. You're using your power to manage and govern. But to govern, you have to learn how to govern yourself. You have to learn how to have self-control. You have to learn how to actually use your time well, to be responsible, to keep your word. This is all a part of the great mandate. It's handling the things that God's given us in a way that accomplishes what we have on our plate. Balancing your checkbook to working your full day at work to changing the diapers of your kids. It's all a part of this. And this is a great objective that we have as humans, to take care of responsibilities. The second great objective is the great commandment. And this is to love God and to love others. This is a sweeping commandment. In fact, Jesus was asked this. like, what? He was, he was put in the corner. They wanted him to kind of say, what's the value of the scripture? Like, if you could just choose one verse, one thing that we should do, what would it be? And they were hoping they could discount all the other things. And Jesus says, well, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So as they were trying to box him in, he kind of blew their minds. So what should we do, Jesus? What's the most important thing? Because I only have a limited amount of time. So just give me the big picture. And he says, you know what? Love God with everything in you and love others as much as you love yourself. Just imagine them thinking, so what does that mean I don't have to do anymore? What doesn't? Loving God and loving others? That's transforming the life that we live. Because loving God means I'm actually going to put his purposes above mine. I'm going to put his commands above my opinions. I'm going to put what he says is important above what I think is important. That's how we love God. He trumps us. That's how we love God. We obey him. That's how we love God. So they asked for the one thing and he gave them the one thing and then he says, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Wait a second. Like actually like love them. Have you met my neighbor? Have you seen them? Do you know what they do? They didn't, he didn't qualify. Just love your neighbor as yourself. And love is defined, you know, you put their goals and interests above your own. What? Come on. Seriously? That's what I think all the time. Like, love, like, I have to actually think about what they're interested in, think about what's important to them, think about their goals, and put it in front of my own. Yeah. 
Why? Because I've been given a new purpose and a new identity based on the image of being created by God. And this is what God did by sending Jesus. He did that for me. And to be a Christian means we do that for others. We love. So for your coworker, you think, how do I help them with their goal and their interests? With your kids, when they want attention, and you're tired and you want to sit down and you want to watch TV. Wait, was that just me or do you guys experience that? I just want to do what I want to do and it involves like just sitting down and doing nothing. But love is, what does this person need and how can I help them? With roommates, you know, they, they just didn't put the dishes away. It's in the sink. They didn't do it and you know, you get all fired up. They, the dishes are still in the sink. We've talked about that. You just, love is you just you just wash the dishes and you don't leave a little post-it did the dishes again dot 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 what were you thinking love you you just do it stuff doesn't make sense but that's that's God's way we love him and from that he allows us to love others the third great objective is the great commission This is really a further description of declaring His excellencies out of people that have been called out of darkness into light. That's really what the Great Commission is. Jesus said it like this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. There's this idea of no matter what you do in your life, The objective that should fuel what you do, fuel what you say, fuel what you spend your money on, should always come back to this idea of how are you helping people become disciples, which is really a follower, just somebody who's learned how to do life God's way. How are we helping people do this? And it starts by me doing it myself, living life God's way, doing what He wants in my time, my finances, in my marriage, My work, every aspect. How do I do it his way? And then explaining and showing to people what this looks like. This is what it really means to to reach out to others and show them the difference Jesus makes. That's what it means to be a light. That's the idea of the Great Commission. Be a light in the world where you are. The good news is that actually can happen as you do the other things. Objectives, as you handle your responsibility and as you're diligent and as you take care to do the things that are on your plate, people that don't know God see that and say, wow, they really take that stuff seriously. It's different. Because our natural tendency is we want to just be slack-handed in that stuff. As you love people, the great commandment, as you actually do that, that actually is a bridge to the Great Commission. As you love people, they actually want to hear what you say. As you serve people, they want to know more about you. As you're a kind and caring person, you're a person of tremendous value because that person hardly exists in our world. But it's going back to when we have our purpose and we have the identity and we have the right image. We're difference makers in the world that we live. 
from our neighborhood to our church to our country. We have what people want and what they need. They may not know it, but it's found in the person of Jesus Christ. And so this idea of being made in the image of God with a different identity and a purpose with new objective. I don't know about you, but I have a tremendous amount of hope. Because despite all the things that I do that are really stupid, which frankly is a lot, I keep coming back to the fact that God will still use me as I humble myself and do things His way. And so I want to encourage you, just as I wrap up, I want you to think through what, what's the primary purpose and objective you're living for currently? Like, what is the thing that you're just kind of at the forefront of your mind you're really striving after? And does it match these objectives? Second question is, your identity. What, what are you feeling right now about your life and where it's at? What you're supposed to be doing, what you shouldn't be doing, what you wish you were doing. And as you kind of chew on that a little bit, that can help us. It helps us kind of see what we really think is important. And I want to encourage you, no matter where you are, ask God to help you see that this is real. Enough that you're willing to actually follow Him. And this is from the Christ follower to the person who's investigating Christianity. It's only real to the degree that this is actually impacting our life. So I want to encourage you, let's, let's do these objectives. Let's live this way. Not because we can, but because we've been called into a new family with a new purpose. So I want to encourage you in that. On the connection card that Barry mentioned, if you could pull that out as the band comes up, I'm just going to wrap up very briefly. There are some next steps on there. These next steps are really designed that you could leave here with an action step that you can take. Uh, we really want to allow you to see that the Bible is something more than just an idea in your head, but it's something that actually moves you to act. And so these are ways that we help you just take a step this week. We call them next steps. And so the first thing is you may want to memorize Psalm 8. Actually, I might have changed that. Is it Psalm 8 on there? 1 Peter 2.9. That was my earlier version. Remember, First Peter two nine. Okay, that's the chosen nation, the royal priesthood that He's called us into. Uh, the second is ask God to help you focus on one of the great objectives that I wrapped up with. One of those three is there just one of those where it's loving God or others, sharing with others about the difference Jesus made, or just maybe handling your responsibilities. Uh, pick one of those to focus on this month. Uh, there's also a handout in your program that we showed the first week of the series, how to evaluate a movie. I encourage you, uh, with a roommate, with a, your kid, with a spouse, continue to practice doing this. Because it really helps as we look at media to kind of determine, is this, is this really true? And so I put that in there. If you missed it the first week, you can use that as a reference. And the last thing is invite a friend to the beach meetup. If you're planning on going to the meetup next Saturday, invite a friend. We'd love to, to meet them. It's a good opportunity to connect together. And so if you uh, RSVP on the connection card, if you have a friend that you'd like to invite, you can put that on there as well. And I'll pray for you as you invite them this week. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the value that you give us. And 
I, I am just so thankful that it's not based on my own effort, understanding, uh, but it's really based on the fact that you made me and you made all of us. And God, help us to continue to humble ourselves, to recognize the things that we try to do that we try to add our own value to our life and our own security and our own significance. And God, help us to be content with you because from you flows so much more life and meaning and purpose than we have outside of you. And so I pray that that will be real to us this week. In the name of the Lord Jesus, amen.